You're listening to your superpowered mind on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that investigates the innate power within your brain to create lasting change. Hello, everyone. Welcome to your superpowered mind. I'm your host, Kristen Maxwell, and in this show, we explore the process of transformation and give you tools and strategies that you can use to transform your own life. Today, I am excited to be talking to Stephanie Raffalock about the secret to positive aging. Stephanie Raffalock is an author and speaker with a passion for aging, women, and feminist history. She's the author of the award-winning book, A Delightful Little Book on Aging, and the soon-to-be-released author of Creatrix Creatrix Rising, Unlocking the Power of Midlife Women. Stephanie, welcome to your superpowered mind. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm excited. These are all, um, you know, as somebody in my 50s, I'm aging and I'm a woman. So I'm very curious to talk to you. (laughs) Good deal. Yes, good. So my first question is always, what superpower did you uncover as the result of mastering your mind? Well, I'm not sure that I've mastered my mind, but the process of striving for excellence has certainly unfolded a lot in my life. And it's interesting that you talk about superpowers because this was kind of a superpower week for me. I was describing to a friend of mine what my superpower was. Um, I occasionally teach, but not in the more polite classrooms that you might find. I've always teached women that are a little bit on the margins. So I've worked with incarcerated women. I've worked with women in halfway houses. And this week, I got to teach a class for a women, a group of women that are in a second chance place in their life. And that is um, the Dress for Success organization. Mm. And it was the most amazing group of women. So here's my superpower. I pull writing and storytelling out of people that wouldn't normally think of themselves as writers and storytellers. And it's a wonderful process because I believe that collectively, women have an amazing, amazing story to tell. And then individually, each one of us has a unique story that follows, you know, the pattern of classical storytelling where an event happens and you go on a quest and you're met with obstacles and challenges. And then you get to act three, which is the part of life that we're in. And the transformation, the big um, finish happens in act three. And I love the, the transformative force. So my superpower this week was in play when I got to teach this class for Dress for Success. And we talked about the transformative force in their lives and their vision for the future. And it just, it warms my heart like nothing else. It's my favorite, favorite group of women to work with. Yes. Giving them um, a different way. I suspect of looking at themselves up till then and asking them to think about the story that they're writing going forward rather than just letting life happen. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, one of the the big emphasis is on, we can't go back and change the facts of our life, but we can go back and change what the facts mean. 
Mm-hmm. And there's a great deal of liberation in that. Yes, exactly. And I, I'm just writing that down. Can you give an example of that? Because that is that right there is such um, a powerful, powerful idea is understanding that what we, the meaning we give to something um, dictates whether it was a happy event, a sad event, a disempowering or empowering. So what would be an example? Well, I'll give you an example from my personal life. Um, I was a high school dropout and I went back to school much later in life, in my thirties, I went back and earned a, a a high school diploma and a college degree. And so for a long time, I felt bad about myself that I was kind of a screw up as a kid and I had, you know, blown this education and, and just kind of made a mess of things. The new way of holding it was look at the courage, look at the courage that it took to admit a mistake that you wanted to correct and actually go back and do that. And look at all the wisdom that you got from the grit. You know, wisdom isn't like in the polite and positive places that we think it lingers. Wisdom is in the grit that we get from life. It, it's like, um, I like the analogy of the, the oyster and the, and the pearl. Mm-hmm. And it's like the pearl is made from the grit and the pressure, the tension is what gives us the pearl and that's what gives us the wisdom. So the way I hold that part of my life now was look at the courage that it took. And those years were just those years, but the gift of those years was some real wisdom walking through the tough times. Yeah. And a different perspective. Yeah. I mean, perspective is everything, isn't it? It is. Um, how we perceive the world, you know, is like, I think it was Einstein who said, you know, there's only one question and that is, is it a friendly universe or not? Yeah. And it's, and that is such a great question to think about and to realize that, Ooh, for a lot of us now it's, Oh, the world is a scary place. And so how do we make meaning of that? Right. But And I want to go, and actually, I'm sorry to cut off right there. We do have to take a break. Can you let people know, because you've written a couple great books and you have a lot of writings, where can they find you? Well, they can find me at byline-stephanie.com. And you can find my blog and my books and everything else. Or you can go to amazon.com and look up my name. If you can remember my name, you're probably better off going to my website. Great. Good. And I will put a link in in the show notes. So that makes it easier to find. Hang on, everybody. When we come back, I'm going to actually delve a little deeper on how we can um, ourselves reform our stories or claim our stories for positive aging. Hang on. Hello, I'm Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts and creator of the Superpower Network. Welcome and thank you for making us your go-to place for inspired content, training, and community. The network is so much more than a place for amazing content. It's step one on the path to unlock your superpowers. Listen to one episode daily on the Superpower Network and attune yourself to inspired conversations, higher vibrational living, and much, much more. 
In step two, you learn with us by watching one of our inspirational videos each week from the IM series. And when you're ready, come grow in community. Our superpower programs offer a unique experience for those ready to harness their superpowers to change themselves, their lives, and ultimately, the world. Go to superpowerexperts.com and take the next step on your path today. Welcome back, everyone. This is your superpowered mind, and I'm talking to Stephanie Raffalock. So, Stephanie, I guess this is kind of a big question, but like, what are some of the issues or that people face around aging, women especially, or what are some of the beliefs about aging that cause people distress? Do you find? Well, I think that um, aging isn't held in the most positive light in our country, at least not up until this point. I do find that that's changing. Um, For women, so much of our identity can be tied up in appearances. And that's certainly supported by a very robust um, advertising world where we're bombarded with, you know, stuff for whiter teeth, for silkier hair, for thinner thighs, and on and on it goes. And so part of the challenge in, in growing older is this acceptance of appearance reflecting the life that you've lived. And, you know, it's interesting the way we see ourselves and the way we see others. Um, I became aware of my grandmother, Julia, when I, I think when I was about 10. I mean, really aware of her. And by then she was, she was probably older than me. Um, but I never saw her through the eyes of, oh, she's got so many wrinkles. Um, oh, gosh, she looks so bony. Her hands are so thin. Um, I didn't see her in that way. She was my grandma, Julia, and I loved her. And what I remember the most about her were how her blue eyes sparkled. So we can see another human being that way. But somehow with ourselves, we go in front of a mirror and we go, oh, God, I look like crap today. Or, you know, my eyes are, are, are getting baggy. Skin is getting loose. All that stuff happens, by the way. So now what is, what is nature asking of us, and I think nature is asking of us, is redefine your beauty. Dig deep into your psyche. Dig deep into your heart to find and express a beauty that is of great value to the world. That's one of the gifts of aging is that we get to express this value of what it means to be a human being and connected to other people and loving and kind. That's the beauty we want to shine now because, you know, no amount of facelift, no amount of Botox, you know, even though we've tried is, is going to fix the fact that age and nature will have her way with us. And yes, our appearance will change, but that doesn't change our heart. That doesn't change our essence. It doesn't change our soul self, which has this incredible ability to communicate love and beauty and peace in the world and goodness. And in that way, we become an elder. And in that way, we become a mentor. And in that way, we shine a light. Uh, Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that idea is the of acceptance of our appearance reflecting the life that we lived rather than it doesn't meet the standard. It's like, this is the life. This is where I've gotten to. There you go. There's a, there is a, um, 
looking at life differently and changing what the facts mean. <laughs> right. Changing what the facts mean as you get older, because I, you know, I've talked to some women that it's really, it's hard for them. You know, there's a mourning period, you know, you lose some athletic prowess, you lose some connective mm-hmm. tissue. Um, but it doesn't have to be a place of mourning. There's enough grief in older age with the loss of friends and, and family members without us creating grief in our life. So part of another thing that's asked of us as we grow older is to hold that grief in a, in a sacred kind of way, that this is a remarkable and noble passage that we go through in this third chapter, which is the final chapter. So do you want to make that a richly rewarding spiritual experience or do you want to moan about, you know, what you've, what you've lost in lost youth? Yes. And that's a, this is a very big, it's so easy to say, you know, and, and what you're saying is so true. And yet this process I suspect it's not immediate because there's this, there is a lot to mourn. There are a lot of changes yes, um, and a lot of letting go of people and relationships and, and abilities. And what, what is the thought that people can hold on to or the belief, would you say, as they're going through that process? saying I'm losing all of this and yet, and yet what? <laughs> and yet, well, I mean, first of all, I think you've got to work it every day. I don't think it just descends upon us one day and, and, and now we have it wired and life is beautiful and we lived happily ever after. I think that you, you have to work it every day. This is the texturing of the heart. You know, it's not it's not smooth. And part of what makes us interesting as human beings is this rich texture of how we work something like this. So for me, what I use is I get out and I move every day. I can't stress that enough that if your body is sitting around the house, it it kind of gets concretized in a certain way. And then the mind and the heart are sure to follow. So if you get out and move, you create this fluidity. And and I think that walking is one of the most underrated exercises in the world. And it's something that just about everyone can do. So getting out and walking gets the endorphins going, makes you feel better. There's something about consciously trying to stand up as straight as you can and walk with your head high in the world. That physical manifestation then translates into the mind and heart. It says, oh, I'm, I'm upright and I'm moving and I'm good. Plus, you know, the little aches and pains that you get as you grow older are greatly ameliorated mm-hmm. by walking a couple miles every day. You know, you can go out with an achy back and 10 minutes later, you forget that you had an achy back. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I think works so well during this process is gratitude um, to make little gratitude lists because, man, some days it's just hard. We live in harsh times right now. And it's hard to think, you know what? I love my life and life is good. It's hard to get to that place. So what can get you to that place? 
keep a notebook nearby where you can just list and then see reflected off the page to you the things that make you happy. And honestly, most of the time I find it's the little things. The other day I made short ribs, which is something, it's not a summer dish, short ribs. (laughs) But they're so good. I just had a craving and I so appreciated the smell of these cooking short ribs with the vegetables, the simmering and, you know, my mouth watering as it got later in the day. Um, Appreciate the fluffy clouds that float by. Appreciate being outdoors and feeling the sunshine. Just find things that you can list and then remind yourself. Reread that list and go, wow, this wasn't too bad. I came up with 10 pretty fast. I guess life is still good. Yes. Yes, there is that power of gratitude. And, and you know, just one of the things that I used to hear about gratitude and say, oh, that's so silly, you know, when all these bad things are happening to focus on the little things. But really what you're doing when you're doing this repeatedly is you're rewiring your brain to go to these happier places instead okay. of focusing on the bat, which is what we've sort of wired ourselves to do often. Well, I don't know why it's so, but I think that negative thinking gets into a groove in our brain, like faster, deeper, you mm-hmm. know, it's kind of harder to pull out of it. Um, so anything that you can do that, I don't think it's a matter of denying that there's stuff going on. I know it's a harsh world. I know that there are things going on that are driving me kind of nuts right now, but I also know that I still have to put one foot in front of another and live my life and do my day. So it's like you can, both things can be true at the same time. It's not a matter of you have to divorce yourself from anything that connotes negativity. It's just that you have to find a balance with it. Um, So that, yes, I know life is hard right now and There are so many things that I'm grateful for. Yes, exactly. That's a very good way to put it because there are things going on and and I have this to be happy for. And and I think there is something about the more of us that can tune into what is good, the more people around us remember, oh, this is good and connect better and you know, and all of those, those things, it goes from there. And one of the, um, one of the things that I notice with people um, is that change in and of itself to our nervous systems and to is um, at some level a threat. And for most people, So there's a way in which, and I think this is sort of what's going on with aging, things are changing. And even if they're not necessarily bad or sad, our our bodies see it as a threat. Does that make sense? And then our mind says, oh my gosh, what's happening here? Um, You know, what do do you think about that? I think... I think that we have always had this amazing um, ability, let's call it a superpower, to adapt. Mm-hmm. We're very adaptable creatures. You know, it it gets hot. It doesn't. It's not the it, it's not the end of things. You, we we put on something that's 
cooler and lighter to wear. It gets cold, you put on a coat. We we find ways to adapt. Um, I had to stop playing tennis a few years ago because of a, um, a low back thing that I have going on. I was born with a congenital scoliosis and I have a disc that has worn out. So the pounding, I can't do that kind of pounding that I could do in tennis. And and I really missed the game. What did I do? I adapted. I found other things to do that would bring me that same sense of joy that tennis brought me. So I walk, I've become um, a Pilates queen. I love Pilates. Mm -hmm. Um, I found other things to do, swimming, you know, things that aren't impact exercises. I think when they, um, we did the lockdown for the pandemic um, a year ago, March, that it was easier on some of my older friends who live a more contemplative lifestyle anyway. They were able to adapt. It's like, well, I don't go out that often anyway. So it wasn't as big a deal. It wasn't um, so harrowing to be isolated for a little bit. That's another gift of aging is this ability to be more contemplative, more thoughtful, that being alone isn't nearly as bad as we thought it might be, that we can sit in quiet with ourselves, we can sit in quiet with nature. And and I think that those things help ameliorate um, the fear of change, because like you said, it, it is a pretty common thing that change... I don't know. It makes us anxious, even if it's a good change. Yeah. Yes, it does. And it's funny is what you're saying, as I know people, I have some clients and friends where when COVID came along, they're very introverted and it removed the pressure on them from feeling like they had to go out. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And it was, and what it, it, um, what it, brings up for me is then there's a way in which if you look at yourself and you're aging and there are fewer things you're able to do, if you hold this belief, well, I should be able to go do this and I need to have these kinds of things going on in my life, you're going to be causing pain for yourself rather than acknowledging, okay, maybe this is a different phase of my life that isn't going to include these things. And that's okay. Well, you know, a a question that I like to pose is why is it that nature keeps us alive after 50 years old? I mean, there's a reason for that. Um, We're we're done having kids. It's not, you know, we're not kept alive for the proliferation of the human race anymore. Let's hope not. (laughs) So (laughs) that ship has sailed. So why does nature keep us alive? And I think for me, The answer to that question is in a more reflective, contemplative time that, you know, you you see pictures sometimes of older people sitting on front porches in a rocking chair. And it's like that is one of the most delightful, delicious things to do is to be able to sit and quietly appreciate your world. When you think of all the years that you were running around to do the things that you needed to do to raise kids, to make a mortgage, to get ahead in your career suddenly there's this period of time where it's like, you know, you don't have to be busy 24 seven. And isn't it nice to reflect upon where you started in your life and the journey that it's taken on, taken you on, and then celebrate that 
within yourself. I saw a thing on on Facebook this morning. Um, a group of women were, were responding to this meme about turning sixty five. I think the statistic was that you know every day ten thousand boomers turn sixty five, or maybe it was every minute. I don't know. Wow. But there, what was amazing to me was that the response from all of the women on this group who were 65 and one who was 86, by the way, was, I thank God every day that I didn't get taken out by the stuff in my, in my childhood that they didn't have vaccines for at the time, measles, mumps, chicken pox, um, that I didn't lose my friends or myself in Vietnam, that I survived the drug culture. And here I am at 65, 75, as I said, one woman, 86. And it's like, I want to celebrate every moment. You know, where is the hard and fast rule that says we have to stop celebrating our lives and stop learning because we're 65, you know, like you stick a fork in it and you're done. There is a whole psychological, spiritual learning that happens from 65 onward, from 50 years onward, that is enriching. And that's what we should be celebrating. Life is good. It's good to be here. We should not be afraid to celebrate it in ourselves. Yeah, that's a great, lovely message and reminder for everybody. Yeah. And... I'm sort of sitting there with it. I my um, it, you brought up learning, and I think that is also one of the factors. Is you can continue to learn just for the sake of learning. <laughs> yeah, isn't that great? Yeah, it doesn't have to be. I'm learning so that I can use it for my job or whatever. Right. But I'm learning because I'm interested in this. Right. Yeah, my grandmother. You know, staying curious about the world is and learning. I mean, those things nourish the soul. Yeah, I remember my my grandmother. She learned French in her um, seventies, and she, my grandfather, had no interest in going to France. So she actually went to France. With my high school group. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I didn't even go. But she went. Because, and she tried to speak French with everybody. And I'm sure she was terrible. But that's okay. Didn't matter. That means she had that. I mean, she is one of my role models for, for continuing to be interested in the world. Right. Oh, I love that story. And I bet they adored her. Yes. Yes, I'm sure they did. She was amazing. She was so curious, curious about everybody and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one final question um, is, what do you, do you uh, recommend that people sort of like you did with your group yesterday, that they look back at their stories and tell their stories and, and, you know, change the meaning or give it a meaning as their power? And doing that just for the regular person? I think that there's great power, especially for women in sharing their story. And if you've got one or two close intimate friends that won't 
judge, that won't try to fix, that won't try to change, that you can tell your story to. I think what we do is when we tell our story, we reveal ourselves to ourselves. And that's the strongest kind of growth and expansion that I think you can have is, you know, someone isn't telling you what the the answers are. You're revealing the answers to yourself. So I think that, yes, if you've got someone that you can share a story with, and a story doesn't necessarily need to be like your autobiography from, you know, I was born till now. It can be just a slice of your life. You know, what it was like um, raising your kids, what it was like going back to school, what it was like, you know, fill in the blank. Um, If you are so inspired, you know, there are groups of women that get together to do storytelling and and do writing prompts all the time. Um, See if you can create a group like that. But I think there's tremendous power. Women have not had the same opportunity to tell their story historically as men have. And so we tend to think that, you know, the stories of men are what define the world, but that's not true. It's the stories of men and women. So I think it's important for us at this time. And I think it's a great legacy to leave to the women behind us to share our stories, whatever they be, the stories from our childhood, the stories from our adulthood and, um, and cherish them. Yeah. That's a lovely place to end. I think right so. there. Yeah. Well, thank you. Remind people again where they can find. Well, actually, I want to ask you one more question. You, <laughs> you have a new book, Unlocking I do the Power of Midlife Women. What, what, is, what is that about? <laughs> Creatrix Rising, Unlocking the Power of Midlife Women is about finding this new archetype that I see all around us. I don't see aging old women. I don't see the crone. What I see is a creatrix. And creatrix, that word means a woman who makes things. And that's who we are collectively as this culture of women on this continent right now. We are women who make things. And we make everything from art to healing to politics um, to gardens. And we're vital from now, hopefully, until the day we die. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Good. So remind everybody again your of your website and eyeline-stephanie.com. Great. Thank you, Stephanie. It's been really fun and thought-provoking to to talk to you. And I really, really appreciate what you're doing out there to remind people of, and women, especially of their power and their value. Thank you so much. And I love the work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. And listeners, thank you for being here and showing up for yourselves. And if you're interested in discovering more about what we do at Superpower Experts, head on over to the superpowerexperts.com website to check out our programs and membership membership options. Until next time, go out and remember that you do hold the power to transform your world. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today. 